Hi and welcome to the Journalism Salute. I'm Mark Simon. In each episode, we'll talk to or about an interesting person or organization related to journalism. The intent is to show that journalists are not the enemy of the people. Thank you for listening. Rabbi Hillel Goldberg is the editor and publisher of Intermountain Jewish News, a weekly independent newspaper founded in 1913 covering the Jewish communities of the Front Range. Originally intended as a Denver newspaper, it was renamed in 1925 to its current name. The paper was sold to Max Goldberg in 1943 and has stayed in the Goldberg family ever since. Rabbi Goldberg, Dr. Goldberg, has worked for the paper for more than 50 years, now in his current role as editor and publisher. That was a very capsule summary of uh, the history of uh, your, your paper. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? Uh, I should mention that in 1972, my father, Max Goldberg, passed away. My mother, Miriam Goldberg, took over and really uh, ran the paper for decades uh, with great aplomb. Uh, she had two qualities that you almost never see in one person, and that is shrewdness and sweetness. Uh, she could be in a room and remember she took over at a time when women were not doing this. She became a role model for women in many businesses in Denver, Colorado. She could be in a room with uh, uh, millionaires and politicians and mayors and whatnot and the other. And by the time the meeting got over, she had controlled everything and they didn't even know it. All right. So ex- explain to all, us all uh, the, the history of the paper. This is a weekly newspaper that tries to publish news that's not just local. We publish national news, international news. We were the first American Jewish newspaper to have a full-time correspondent in Israel. Uh, we're independent. That means we're our own editorial voice. Uh, we're not uh, dependent on uh, some community organization. We're not a nonprofit. That's a tough road uh, to hoe uh, often, but we wouldn't really like to have it any other way. Um, we definitely believe that opinions should not be in the news columns. We are not part of the, quote, new journalism in which uh, editors think it's their job to tell readers how to think and to diminish or demean their political opponents. We don't do that. We have opinions. They're on the editorial page, they're strongly expressed, but we would like people to be able to read the news columns and not have the foggiest idea where we stand on the issues. And how has the newspaper evolved? Like, how is it different now from how it was, say, in uh, the early 70s? Well, first of all, it's grown a lot. Uh, Thank God, it's grown. We've uh, added some 12 or so special editions. We also publish two magazines a year, uh, pardon me, three magazines a year. We founded a community directory. We do a mayoral forum when there's a, when there's a mayoral election in Denver and uh, uh, people are running not unopposed. There's, there's, you know, there's opposition. We do a public mayoral forum and we've been very successful with that. Basically, scheduling it so far in advance that we are the last forum before the election. So excitement is great. The paper is expanded in a sense that uh, I think it's, I think it's better. I think it's more organized. I think it's uh, more more coherent, uh, but we build on a good tradition. When my father took over in 1943, it was a four page newspaper. And now we're publishing 24 pages a week, plus, uh, you know, anywhere from uh, uh, 24 to 
to, to 80 pages, uh, you know, in special sections and editions. And how has it, uh, how, how was the evolution into going into something uh, that was online? I My daughter, Shana Goldberg, is in charge of all uh, online services. This is a world that she understands a lot better than I do. And so we have, uh, first of all, a subscription that can be uh, purchased online, in print, or both for the same price. Uh, we have a, a website, we have a newsletter, uh, a blog. Uh, there's a lot of things we do online. We get a lot of viewers online. So we're in, we're in the modern world. With newspapers struggling as they are in 2020 and folding left and right, and now nonprofit models and others uh, trying to, I guess, pick up what's been left, how has yours been able to survive? Well, certainly we're not unaffected by these forces. It's been very difficult uh, during the COVID in particular. Um, but I think, you know, this may sound mystical, but I think we've taken the position that we want to run a good paper and we want to run it the same size and the same way or we'd rather not do it at all. So uh, some of the other papers, American Jewish newspapers, they've cut down on the size. Uh, that is to say the page is much smaller or they've cut down and uh, going from every week to every other week. We haven't done that. I, I can only attribute this to uh, divine intervention. What we're doing is keeping the doors open. I don't, but we are. And uh, we like what we're doing. We think what we're doing is important. We uh, think that what we do sustains literacy in the general public. We're, we're very careful, not that we're perfect by no means, but we're very, we try very hard to edit very carefully, to present uh, literate material, to speak to diverse audiences. Um, and we think that's really more and more important in a time when so many people get their news in you know 10 second bites. News really can't be properly uh, absorbed or, or, or acquired in 10 second bites. So we, we have faith in what we're doing. We think it's important that people still read. You're 74, by my understanding, uh, and which means that uh, the paper has always been a part of your life uh, because the family uh, purchased it in 1943. What was it like to grow up in a, in a newspaper uh, household? Well, I actually grew up in a household that was much broader than newspapers. It was media. It was all media. My father, Max Goldberg, brought network television to Colorado in 1952. He secured the first FCC license and put together the business group that uh, bought Channel 9. Uh, he wrote for the Denver Post. Uh, he was a leading columnist for the Post for 25 years. Before television, he was on radio. I should say I skipped. After he uh, put together and founded Channel 9, he had a one-on-one -on -one interview, television show, unrehearsed interviews once a week for 17 years. Uh, he interviewed everybody from Kennedy to King and everybody in between during those years. So I grew up in a house in which my dad was publishing Intermountain Jewish News, uh, running the Max Goldberg Advertising Agency, which is political campaigns, uh, doing television, doing newspapers. Uh, I, I just grew up with this. I, I, it's, it, it just, I just imbibed it. What was its appeal to you? I guess communication, reaching out, and in particular, in my case, writing. I did try television a little bit. I didn't like it as much uh, as my dad did, and I liked writing much more. Uh, I, I'm passionate about writing. I've written several books, and I write every week. I've written a, week, a weekly column now for, well, since 1972. 
It's a long time. Maybe the longest in American journalism. I don't know. One thing that I always ask, and I'll go right to this. Usually I ask on a broader scale, but how do you pick what you write about? Coming up with an idea is the hardest part. <laughs> to come up with an idea and check your mind each time that you haven't done this before. Coming up with a new idea. So one of the reasons, or pardon me, one of the ways I do that, and the way they, one of the ways I manage that is um, I don't write a column in one mode. Sometimes I'll write a book review, sometimes an essay, sometimes a spiritual piece, sometimes an exegesis to Torah, sometimes a political essay, um, sometimes social commentary. So uh, I do a lot of variety. We're talking on December 24th, and I noticed that the, the most recent one uh, that I believe you wrote about was about Alzheimer's, right? Well, it started in a funny way. I'm, 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 uh, I'm working on a project now in which I'm exploring the meaning of numbers in the, the Jewish tradition. So one of my sons from Israel says, well, what did you do with the statement in the Talmud that a man by an antiquity by the name of Atniel ben Kanaz restored some 1,700 laws that were forgotten after Moses died? So I started to think about that and uh, started to go back to the sources and explore what that meant. And the more I did, I realized this was really a topic less about numbers and about remembering. So that took me into Alzheimer's. And uh, you mentioned the, the religious connection. How much does your, uh, do your editorial writing uh, rely on things like uh, the Torah? Well, as I say, uh, this is a community newspaper. This is not a religious organ. This is not a house organ of any religious organization, although I am an Orthodox rabbi. Yeah. We do like to bring Jewish learning to the fore. So from time to time, Yes, I'll write uh, an exegesis in the Torah. From time to time, to time, we'll present that. As a matter of fact, every week we present that by the late Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who passed away with the chief rabbi of England. Uh, so we like we like to present our, our, our readers with uh, literate takes. And of course, the readers are free to disagree or free to submit their own their own takes. Uh, so that is a part, although not the not the bulk of the newspaper. How do you balance uh, your political coverage versus the cultural coverage uh, that uh, I think the culture certainly you know, integral I like to the say The only place where you saw balanced news was in Pravda. You know, if you're going to balance the news, you're, you're really controlling the news. We can't control what happens every week. So on any given week, it may be all political or preponderantly so. It may be all cultural, social. It may be all Democrat. It may be all Republican. If you're, going to, if you're going to balance the news, you're really imitating the Soviets. Uh, the, uh, the important thing to do is to take the news as it comes. Uh, if, all right, so let's, let's do that just for a, for a given week, we could, whether it's this week, last week, whatever. Give, give me a, a sense of how you go about choosing what goes in the paper. We have a nice cultural piece on a, uh, a black Jew who's also a Hasidic Jew and also a star uh, rapper. And he talked about his evolution in his, in his, uh, in his family and uh, his spirituality. So that's on the leisure, what we call the leisure page. We have business stories uh, every week, at least one business story. Uh, we divide between what we call extensive coverage and briefs. We try to publish maybe 20 news briefs or so a week just to be able to get a lot of news in front of the reader. Uh, we did, we've done a lot, uh, as you can imagine, an awfully lot in COVID. So uh, this week we did a major feature 
on a physician who was one of the first to receive the vaccination. And we got a picture of him getting jabbed in the arm and why he did it, why he thinks it's important, so forth and so on. Uh, the cultural side, next to that on the front page, we did a story on interviewing or, or maybe 10 people or so. What was their favorite book of, book of uh, 2020? Um, so, and then we have columnists. We, we try to keep you know, a lot of variety in there. But in any given week, there will usually be more news of a, you know, a local nature or a national nature or Republican nature, Democratic nature. Um, we try to present it as it comes. I was going to ask, I, I always, I've been asking every editorial person that I've had on in the last uh, six weeks this, uh, what was it like to try and cover November 3rd to November 7th? It's a weekly challenge for a weekly newspaper to go to press on Wednesday and publish something that will hold until Friday. If you publish something so specific to what happened that day, nobody will read you because they not only know it already, but they've already gone on two steps beyond it by the time they see the paper on Friday. So we're always looking to come up with some kind of you know, larger scope, larger arc, uh, larger take. Um, we're not going to be reporting in our edition of that week that you mentioned on, uh, you know, exactly uh, when the votes seemed to go for against Trump and Georgia at whatever time of the night it was. That's already passe by Friday. So we look for the larger arc. In this case, the, uh, you know, the direction of the election. Yep, and I saw that you, you essentially wrote a welcome, you have a welcome President Biden editorial, uh, uh, I guess. Can, can you speak to what, what, uh, what you were trying to get across with that? Essentially, two things. One, that uh, we believe he won, uh, that uh, the various efforts that were undertaken to the contrary, notwithstanding, we believe that, uh, you know, he, he, he's going to be president, number one. Number two, whatever our views on, uh, will be on Biden's policies or whatever they were on his policies when he was vice president, if a new president comes in, we want to wish him well. We've done that for every president uh, since I can remember. So that's, that's an interesting perspective because certainly the guests that I've had on um, through the, the first three to four months of this podcast have largely leaned uh, to the progressive side, how would you characterize the the newspaper's political stance? Is it is it more of a down the middle? Not down the middle, but both. Some issues they would call us progressive. Some they would call us conservative. We call them as we see them based on their merits. What is what is reader reaction to that sort of uh, stance? To those sort of stances? Overall, like? good, but there are certainly individuals who think we've gone off the deep end. On, on each side. I noticed too that you have you have your column view from Denver. You also have one. This is, I believe, your your daughter's uh, view from Central Park. Uh, right. Can can you explain how your family is your your current family is integrated into the paper? Uh, our daughter Tahila, uh, Central Park, is written now. I've lost track. Ten years, fifteen years for the paper. Quite quite a while. She has quite a following. Totally different style from my own. Totally different take, different subjects, which is good. Uh, my daughter Shane has written now for quite some time. I've lost track, six, eight years, and different from both of us. And uh, that's good too. 
Can you tell us about the rest of your staff? Sure. We have an extremely loyal and uh, very capable staff. Uh, Larry Hankin, our associate editor, been here, I don't know, 45 years maybe. Chris Lepic, um, uh, been here about the same. Andrea Jacobs, uh, senior writer, maybe 30 years. We have, we have a lot of loyalty and we have a lot of institutional memory. So uh, that is very helpful whenever you do a story. And uh, these are very capable people. I might mention that Chris Lepic is not Jewish. As far as I know, we're the only American Jewish newspaper that has an editorial position, a major editorial position, a non-Jew. That also gives us a different perspective, gives us uh, certainly uh, the capacity to bounce different opinions off. We're not an echo chamber here. Uh, that's very helpful. What uh, I, kn I know you've mentioned your reading, uh, you mentioned institutional memory. Uh, I know that one what seems to be a passion for you is book reviews. Can you explain that? I, I have a doctorate in, uh, from Brandeis University. I taught in uh, academia for a number of years, I've written books. I'm interested in, in uh, thinkers and our readers are interested in thinkers. This is not the you asked me some differences but between the two issues now and say when my dad took over. The major difference is really the community we're talking to. Uh, in the 1940s, we were talking to a community of the first or best second generation Americans who were struggling to make a living and struggling to make it. And they were not struggling to become doctors and lawyers. They were struggling to uh, become successful entrepreneurs with, of course, exceptions. Uh, today's very different. Today, our community is essentially in the profession. Yes, of course, we have entrepreneurs, but far more doctors, attorneys, social workers, uh, etc. And uh, we have people with graduate degrees far more than in the past. So we need to speak on a different level to, to a different readership. And what are you most proud of uh, with the newspaper in as of now in 2020? You know, when the paper comes out, you're only as good as that edition. And you got to start right away on getting something good going for next week. No laurels to rest on. I'm really not thinking about what we're proud of. I'm thinking about trying to keep going and to keep improving and to make us better and better week by week. So if I ask you then, what is the future of the newspaper? You're only gonna, are you only gonna tell me next no, week? No, nobody knows the future. Okay. Um, but uh, my mother lived to be 100 was active here, you know, until two years before that. And as a matter of fact, in her hundredth year, we're still signing contracts. So uh, we hope to keep providing this service and keep promoting literacy and keep advancing the causes of the Jewish community here and around the world and in Israel. Three, three last questions for you. When people describe uh, your newspaper, what traits do you hope that they spot, that they spotlight or, or reference? Responsible. Um, objective, thoughtful. That we always we always ask for an advice question, and I want to take the advice question. And since this is a family newspaper, uh, what advice would you have about working with your family uh, on a big media project such as this? Don't do it unless you get along. <laughs> is it that simple? Like yeah, it is. Like having a common goal to uh, to make a lot of money or you know, to promote this or the other politician or something. That's not where it's at. You have to be able to work together and enjoy working together. 
And how do each of you compliment the others? You know, like any sets of human beings that we're not perfect and we have our differences, but but overall we do very well. All right. And then the last question, is there a journalism organization that you would like to salute? Well, we're members of the Colorado Press Association and the American Jewish Press Association, and they're both valuable in different ways. And it's important that there be professional uh, organizations that promote uh, that promote the press. You asked one advice question, if I might sure. offer to young uh, pr pr prospective journalists or writers, write and publish. It doesn't matter where you publish. It doesn't matter how, quote, important, unimportant, widely read, not widely read, prestigious, not prestigious, the publication you publish in. Most important thing is to write and publish and keep doing it. You will get to where you want to go if you do that. From one generation to the next, that continues to be true. Uh, you you uh, giving that advice, I give that advice to uh, many people as well. Uh, Rabbi Hillel Goldberg, editor and publisher of Intermountain Jewish News. You can find it online at ijn.com. Some of it is subscription-based. Please check it out. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for the opportunity. To... When Rabbi Goldberg was talking about how there's no time for reflection, it's on to the next edition, that reminded me of listening to an athlete talk about how they viewed their jobs. It's a mentality that has served the Goldberg family well. The track record of the Intermountain Jewish News is one that will be tough for any news organization to match. The Journalism Salute is dedicated to the memory of Dr. Robert Cole, who taught journalism at my alma mater, the College of New Jersey, for more than 30 years. I like this excerpt from his obituary on NJ.com. In nearly every class, he would roll in with a tall AV cart with piles of papers stacked on a shelf below an overhead projector. With the students' names redacted, he would critique the papers, eviscerating the long string of novice errors in a manner that was a hybrid, part stand-up comedy, part sermon. I remember him disguising the names of students so not to embarrass them, but so that the guilty party would unquestionably know who he was referring to. I was from New York City, so he would refer to me as Eddie Manhattan. I still laugh when I think about that, and I remember the points that he was trying to get across. It was effective. Thank you for listening to the Journalism Salute. If you're interested in following along with us, follow us on Twitter at Journalism Salute, S-A-L-U-T. There are more episodes to come. Thank you for tuning in.